this is Chantelle Contarinas, and you're listening to the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast. Hey, are you or someone you care about considering, dealing with, or being through a divorce or separation? Well, you're in the right place. You don't have to do this alone. There are people who care and want to help. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thanks for joining me on the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast. You are going to hear from our team of experts and professionals how to navigate this difficult transition in your life easier, more efficiently, and with better outcomes. Did you know we host online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome? Check out the links in our show notes and be sure and join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com and stay tuned at the end for the legal language. Ready? Here we go. There are people in abusive relationships that do not even realize they are being abused. Now to most people that does not make any sense. They cannot understand how you can be abused and not even know it. But with a narcissist, it is entirely possible and is the case. I am pleased to have on the show today in our Hope and Health series, a divorce coach, Chantal Contarinas, that is an expert in narcissistic abuse, both personally and professionally. She is going to help give you a basic understanding of what narcissistic abuse is and why people don't even realize in many cases that they are in an abusive situation. Listen up, meet her now. She's amazing. Hey, Chantel, super excited to have you on the show with me today. We actually met on Instagram (laughs) and have so much in common that I really want to bring to my audience. So welcome. Please tell us more about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for reaching out to me through Instagram. Instagram is like a social meeting spot. It's like the new dog park uh, (laughs) of society. Um, So I am Chantel. I'm a high conflict divorce coach. I am the CEO of the Divorce Hub. And my work is to help victims of abuse leave divorce and safeguard their children after divorce. We need more of you. (laughs) Can I just say there is a need for me? I wish there wasn't, but that's not the reality of just life. So here I am. Do you want to share with us your why? What, what brought you to this and how you serve people in this way? Um, my why is that I saw a real need. There's such a, a gap and a void. Um, so many victims just don't even understand that they're victims. There's like a post separation kind of um, a fog that happens and they don't even know that they're victims of abuse. They understand that they're unhappy, that it was a bad relationship, but there tends to be a lag or a delay in the realization. And the realization comes through knowledge. Uh, through education. Um, So over time, typically, people realize that they've experienced abuse. uh, And I work specifically with narcissistic abuse. And so victims of that sort of abuse, which can be so much more nuanced than society's view of abuse, which typically is a physical altercation, um, and some sort of physical aggression. This type of abuse can be extremely overt and or covert 
um, and often actually doesn't even leave any marks. And so through my personal experience and my professional experience, I realized that people really needed expert support and guidance before they leave, during their divorce, and then after. Because uh, as we're all aware, divorce doesn't end when a relationship does. It oftentimes gets worse. Uh, and that's known as post-separation abuse. And that's a very unfortunate situation for people to be in. They're already processing what they're dealing with, whether they're laying a lot of guilt on themselves, they're recovering or from abuse, or even the first time they're acknowledging as they step away and look back. And many people have maybe come from a childhood or other situations that have involved some trauma or abuse. And this is what they feel is just natural, normal part of life. And as a devil's advocate, I want to jump in here right away early because a lot of people are going to, and I've heard this say, well, if you're not even sure if it was abuse, then was it abuse? Like, what is this? So then you have somebody feeding this information to you saying, you know what, that was abuse. And then you start going, oh yeah, maybe I was abused. And this, and, and, and you hear all this doubt and these naysayers going, okay, really was it abuse and already the person in the middle of that is struggling to mm -hmm. to accept what they were in and to realize they do need to deal with something more than just the ending of a marriage or a, or a relationship how how do you respond to those types of comments well, that's, that's the that's the very tricky area that is coercive control that permeates narcissistic abuse is that it's so subtle it's so gradual it's you would not partner with this type of person if they showed their true colors from the very first time you met them if they acted the way they treat you later on on the very first date you would most likely run for the hills uh, but they reel you in. So they first, they love bomb you and they mirror you. So if you like to hike, they like to hike. If you want four children, they want four children. And you feel like you really made a connection with a person who you were meant to, like your soulmate almost. Uh, and they love bomb you. They treat you really well. They give you lots of gifts, lots of compliments. They are watching and listening and learning from what you're saying. And they're extracting information that they use to hook you to them. And then it's a gradual erosion of that love, uh, which was not actually love to begin with, but you felt like you were loved, severely loved, more love than you probably ever experienced in your entire life. And slowly they test your boundaries. What will you put up with? And then that in, like, it just increases. And it's the erosion of your humanity. It's the gradual erosion of your sense of self. It's not feeling adequate enough because they put you down. They isolate you. They triangulate you against other people. They gaslight you into doubting your own reality and narrative and experiences. If they say uh, that's a black car and you reiterate that later, they said, I'll never said that. And you really start to doubt your own recall of events because you trust this person and this person loves you. So why would they lie? Um, and you really believe that you are at fault. A narcissist will never, ever be wrong. They'll never, ever be at fault. Um, and so you, the victim, will oftentimes feel that it's you, you. You are the cause for all this tension, all this. And so you really start to minimize yourself. And it's 
gradual. And they're oftentimes very, very charismatic, very generous, very well liked by other people, which is also part of the manipulation. Everything about them is manipulation. Their good stuff is all manipulation. Their bad stuff is all manipulation. Everything they do is to manipulate people into believing whatever it is that they'd like you to believe, whether it be that they're the most benevolent person in the community to a person that you should fear, because if you go against them, you will face the repercussions. Um, and that's why so many victims come out completely confused and the stress, the stress that you're under, even when it's good, you know that at any given point, this could turn and the person that you know as the monster could show up, even if you're on vacation. So your entire relationship is under tremendous stress. And so that actually wrecks havoc on your brain, on your body, on your, on your ability to remember events and recall, which is why typically victims come out and they piece together experiences that they've had along the way. It doesn't always just come out. It's like, I remember that. Um, and so this is why it's really important for society to understand this type of abuse because it's pretty common uh, and it happens more often than we like to admit. And victims need more support than last when they come out of this kind of relationship, especially if you're divorcing one, especially if you have children with them. Wow. So we need to unpack this a little bit more, Chantel, <laughs> partly because I want to mention, uh, we have, we have personal experience with this. So we, I know I can relate. I understand what you're saying. After I've come out, I've educated myself a little more. I still, I still have more to learn as far as all the different tools that narcissists use in order to manipulate, because it's just a lot to digest at once. So for our listeners, we're throwing a lot of information out there. Go back and re-listen to this, re-listen again, break it down, start to watch for examples of what Chantal is sharing here in, in relationships around you. Now it might not be your intimate partner. It might be a friend or a parent or a child or somebody in the workplace. And, and you start to recognize and question maybe some of their motives or some of some of what you're seeing. Now, I remember when I had some friends share with me what they were experiencing. And that is the, the reason, that's my why for having you here, for having this podcast and all the platforms that I offer this information on is because I don't want others to feel they're alone or that they are, are going crazy and they can't figure out as much as they try to make things work they just always still feel guilty that it's not working. They're not good enough. And then for a while, oh, this is just fantastic again. And then it's like honeymoon phases and then it's not working again. And you take the full brunt of that. And what I have said to friends in those situations, even when I was in the situation and not recognizing the full extent of the abuse that I was experiencing, I'd say, you know what? You can't rationalize irrational behavior. This, your brain naturally is always trying to sort and categorize and understand. So when you're being told that black is white, or I said, I didn't say that. And you're like, but, th but this happened. And this is what I remember. And your, your reality is being questioned and you're being told all these other things. Your brain is trying to sort that out. Like how, what's wrong with me? How come I didn't remember, right? How come I can't figure that out? How come I can't understand it? How um, people believe this person when they're like 
saying something I don't understand. I trust them. I, and so you cannot rationalize that and you will, you will waste so much time and energy trying to do that. So as much as you will start observing things that you recognize in what Chantal's sharing also allow, if you catch yourself in that vicious cycle of trying to rationalize it, just stop and think like, wait a minute, that is a clue. Yeah. That's a clue that you're trying to rationalize. Now, the other thing I want to mention is when you talk about this gradual, we've all heard, or most people have heard of that analogy with the frog in the boiling water. Yes. If you just put them in a pot of boiling water, they're going to jump out. But if you put them in a nice tepid and then you put it on the stove and you gradually warm it up, you're going to kill that frog without them realizing what's happening until it's too late. They won't realize what's happening until it's too late. And that's exactly what it feels like when you're in this. And a really big tool that they have is they confuse you. You're constantly chronically tired, exhausted, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. And it's really hard to think clearly when you're under that kind of prolonged stress. Stress is supposed to be like a safety mechanism that's deployed for a short amount of time. But if your entire life is permeated by stress, you can't think clearly. They want you exhausted. They want you confused and tired and overwhelmed because that type of person is so much easier to manipulate than a person who is well-rested, has time to think things through, which is why they constantly bombard you. Like when they're in their fight mode, you can't get away from them. It's constant, 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 constant until you just say whatever. Okay. You're right. When people start to think, wait a second, this relationship feels not very good for me. I feel like I am withering away. I'm exhausted. I'm depleted. No matter what I do, it's not good enough. Journal, journal the stuff down because through journaling, not only do you get out the stress onto paper. So to alleviate some of that in your body and your mind, but you also start to see patterns of behavior. And that's where the truth lies. They will say one thing, I love you, but they'll give you a completely different action, which is I don't love you but you believe their words and you're not paying attention to how they're actually treating you. And that is manipulation. When words don't align with actions and behavior, that's manipulation. So when you write this stuff down, patterns of behavior start to emerge and there'll be a whole bunch of bad stuff and they'll feel like they've pushed you just a little bit too far and then they'll do something nice. And it's a breadcrumb, it's something small, which for you, because you're starving for affection and attention, it feels like a feast but it's actually a famine and you're given just a little stale piece of bread and told that that's a feast. Uh, and you're so happy and thankful for that. Uh, and then the abuse cycle starts again. If it was bad all the time, people would leave, but it's not bad all the time. And when they feel like they've done too much or you say, I'm, I'm like, I'm out, guess what? They mm. love bomb you back into submission, right? And because your body becomes addicted to this, right? The spikes in your hormones, uh, creates a trauma bond where you actually feel like a drug addict. You actually look for the highs and the lows, uh, which is why you become trauma bonded to them, which is why it's so much harder to leave when you actually do leave because your body is craving what they're giving you, despite the fact that it's, you might cerebrally know that it's not good for you. Well, and you're desperate for evidence that this is, that this is okay, that I made a right decision, that this is going to work. Mm -hmm. And I'm jumping ahead, but when you come out of that, 
there are some massive trust issues. And the very first person that you have struggled to trust is yourself because you chose that situation. You didn't, you didn't see, you know, your the, the narcissist meter, the alarm wasn't going off. And so you struggled to trust yourself again, let alone anyone else. And that's the first relationship that you need to heal is your relationship with yourself. And you have to remember that you did not know. It is unfathomable that people will be this cruel to people that they say that they love because most of us are kind, generous, thoughtful people who are empathetic to other people's needs, which is why they choose us. They choose good people. They choose people who have all the qualities that they lack, empathetic people, generous people, loyal people, kind, giving, smart, charismatic, all those things is what they lack. And so they cling on to you and then they slowly suck the life right out of you. And then they discard you and move on to the next person. So they chose you not because you're defective, but because you are a superhuman, like you have all these great traits that they really lack and will never have. And they covet. Um, But you simply can't, you just don't realize that this actually exists, that people you see it in movies of these monsters and they look deformed and they're, they're, they're horrible. And it's obvious from the outside. Um, But they're oftentimes just like you and me. They, they can be teachers and lawyers and doctors and clergy people, people who volunteer. Like all these things don't equate with an abuser. Um, and they're oftentimes really charming, especially to the outside world. They have their curated facade, which is what they display to people. And then they have their real true pe- like person who is the person that, that they choose to abuse only sees. I want to touch on that the type of people that they are attracted to, because there is so much guilt and shame and embarrassment and all of those types of emotions and feelings that the abused person judges themselves against because they're like, I'm educated or I'm smart or I, I am kind and and I'm all these things. I'm so embarrassed to think that I allowed myself to be in a situation like that. What are people going to think if they think of me, you know, I'm, I'm accomplished or I'm, I'm successful, whatever it might be that how they identify and, you know, who they have strived to become. And then to have to admit that they did end up in a situation like this, something that they didn't see coming and and didn't realize. And it's kind of actually, I had to think when you were describing some of what was going on, it's like a cult mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, cults that, are this yes. on steroids. Like, yes. truly, that's what, exactly what it is. You have a cult leader who reels you in and is toxic from the outside looking in. You're like, how can people be doing that? How can they believe what this person is spewing? Well, and they play on keeping people tired sometimes. So mm-hmm. when you add children into a marriage and that already spells exhaustion for either partner, because this can happen with men or women, mm-hmm. typically, I believe the stats show it's more commonly the woman that's the mm-hmm. abused one. She's also often the primary parent who is home exhausted. And even if she's not the primary parent, she is the one that gave birth and carried that child and <laughs> is exhausted for that reason. So that really opens the, there's already increased stress. There's 
physical and mental exhaustion as well. And that just opens up more invitation and more opportunities for the abuse to escalate. And children also are what binds you to a person. It's so much easier to leave an abusive relationship if there is nothing that attaches you to that person other than your relationship. There's no marital home. There's no marriage. There's no business. And children, children are the biggest tether between victim and abuser. So people might realize the relationship is super toxic and not healthy and they're just dying inside, but they have children. And what do we as a society tell people? Marriage is really important. If you divorce, it's a broken home. Kids who come from broken homes have issues. And that is the pervasive belief in society, right? That if you have children, you have to stick it through, right? But what are you teaching your children? That this is how, this is what love looks like and feels like, right? Um, And children pick up on all the stress. It's much better to have two homes where at least in one home, children have a healthy, protective parent who 50% of the time is able to give them unconditional love and support and respect and respect their boundaries and open communication and a peaceful, calm existence. And then there's the other house, as opposed to having one house where it's 100% abuse all the time. Even if the parent who's abusive does not abuse the children directly, they are indirectly abusing the children by proxy, by abusing their other parent. The whole environment isn't healthy. No. I I struggled with that after the fact. My children were adults, independent. By the time I left, I was in that situation for over 30 years. And I looked back on that and I actually said to my children at one point, I apologize for allowing that type of a environment to develop and to stay in it. And I remember all those through the years, I knew some of the triggers. I knew some of what, you know, like what triggers are. I mean, I knew what would set off negative reactions and a toxic environment. And I kind of programmed them in a way, you know, be quiet. Don't do this. Don't, you know, there were expectations that I didn't realize I did it as a way of protecting them in my mind of protecting all of us and trying to just keep the peace. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately that then limited their being a child and just being boisterous or being loud or asking lots of questions or wanting to do more or socialize more. And I felt really bad looking back that I just allowed that to become how our household was. But that was not your guilt and it was not your shame to bear. Right. Did the best (laughs) that you could in a situation with the knowledge and the tools that you had at the time. And that is the thing, right? The only person who carries any blame and should have any shame or guilt, but they never will is the abuser. That's the only person. Victims are trying to survive to the best of their ability until they have the tools and the knowledge and the resources and support to be able to leave. Until that point, it is not safe. That the most dangerous point is leaving. So victims and victims alone know when it's safe for them to leave that relationship. Hopefully it's 
earlier rather than later for everybody's sake, because it's not fair to you. It's not fair to your children, but victims never need to carry the guilt and the shame for staying in the relationship. At that point, you didn't see an out at that point. You didn't see an alternative to your, to that life. And you did the best that you could with what you had to protect you and your children. And for that, you should be commended and not feel any guilt or shame. That is solely on the abusive partner and parents' shoulders. That is so powerful, Chantel. I'm so happy that that we broached that subject because there's so many people that need to hear that. Well, there's so much shame. There's so much embarrassment. And like you said, most of us are intelligent human beings and we feel stupid. We feel stupid. We feel alone. We feel duped. How could we have allowed a person to treat us this badly for so long, right? But like we said, it's not obvious and it's not all the time. If, it's, if it was bad 100% of the time, we would leave much sooner. But there's just enough glimmers of hope that we latch on to that hope. And having children creates this urgency in us, right? Like we have to try harder because we have children. And even if you're aware that it's an abusive relationship, so many protective parents are worried about what this is going to look like if their children have to live in the other person's home without any buffer, right? At least if you're, I have so many clients who come to me and were like, it took me so long to leave because I was so worried about my children living with just their abuser without me to help mitigate the abuse, right? Um, and so they stay and they sacrifice their own happiness to protect their children with what they think is right at the time. They don't know better, right? You make the best choices. Most people make, make the best choices with what they have on hand at the time. Um, and I'm so, I, I get so pained for victims who feel any kind of shame or guilt because that's not your burden to carry. Now, you did briefly mention hormones and how those are relevant to how our body reacts and how our body responds. And I just want to briefly touch on that because there's, this is a deep topic with so many paths we could take from this. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It's like a path that has all these little detours and tangents. <laughs> yeah. So I, on for cortisol, mm -hmm. that is something that I discovered then years later that mine had completely bottomed out because I had been on in a flight, like a fight flight response for so many years and your body cannot stay on that. Now, why I just want to drop this in is that sometimes the incentive is, is your, is your health physically as well as mentally. And, you know, you can die if your cortisol well, bottoms out. And the thing is, is that chronic stress causes chronic pain and chronic health problems. And the longer you stay in this type of relationship, the more prone you are to really big health issues. And it might not be immediately after you leave. It might not be uh, five years, but it causes so many things from weight gain to weight loss, to skin issues, to rapid aging, to hair loss, to bowel issues, thyroid issues. It's been linked to cancer. It's been linked to so many chronic issues. Um, stress kills. We are not, I, I can't say that enough. We are not meant to live under constant permanent stress, which your relationship is permanently stressful. Again, even when it's good, 
there's still the stress, the not knowing when it's going to shift from good to bad. Um, so if you're in it for five years, that's five years of chronic stress. If you're in it for 30 years, that's 30 years of chronic stress. And so your body releases cortisol to deal with the stress and raised cortisol causes so many health problems, brain fatigue, brain fog. Uh, so many people come out thinking that they're stupid because they have no memory anymore. They can't mm -hmm. process information. They can't even educate themselves because going to school is so arduous now. It used to be a cinch and it's not because of your age. It's because you can't process, take in, digest and regurgitate the information the same way that you used to before the chronic stress took place. Well, your body's been on high alert for survival. And yep. that is not a place where you learn. You're just, yeah. you're ready to, they're trying to, to survive. Do yes, to survive. So then what happens is after it, your body cannot maintain that. So then it, it drops production. So then when you are out of that, you're, you have to stimulate that again. And, and I mean, I saw naturopath and, and I encourage people to consider that what you are dealing with. And those symptoms, I'm so happy you shared all those symptoms, Chantal, because so many people can relate and they don't know why they think, yes, it's age. They think this is just a natural progression, but really stop and give yourself some grace mm -hmm. and consider how impacted you are your entire life, your health in all ways yeah. does become damaged and you do need to heal and it does take time and you're going to keep discovering layers of that. Now, I'm so excited to learn from you that you have a way that you are supporting people. You have a brand new program being launched. That is, I am so impressed how comprehensive it is and how you, you help people because they are dealing with those exact type of symptoms and responses and you walk them through a process you're there to support them and you've put a lot of thought into how to how to be the best guide through some of this and i i'm really happy that this is out there um super excited it's going to be online and it's launching right away so tell us more about that please chantel so it's uh launching june 12th it's a 12-week program what i've discovered through my work professionally and personally is that victims of abuse make so many mistakes because they are simply unprepared, unaware. Uh, they don't have the right plan in place, the right strategies. They don't have the right expert support. Um, and divorce is hard at the best of times. When you're dealing with this type of personality, it's that much harder. Um, and these mistakes, which they don't hold any uh, guilt for, these mistakes can cost them. And it can cost them so much time and so much money, and ultimately can cost them the relationship with their children. Um, and it's really hard to work with clients who have already started the process because they've already made mistakes and it's really hard to rectify some of these mistakes. And so my program is designed to catch the client before they even leave their abusive relationship. And it's 12 weeks and every week we cover a certain specific thing that they will need to do to plan for their departure, which is four weeks. And then it's four weeks through their divorce, all the things that they need to do. And then it's four weeks post-divorce on how to protect and safeguard themselves and their children from the post-separation abuse that will continue past their divorce. Um, I've seen so many clients who come to me and they've lost so much. They've lost their money, their support, their friends, their community. They've lost their relationships with their children. 
Um, and it, a lot of it can be avoided, oftentimes not altogether, but drastically reduced if they just had the knowledge and the tools before they even left. Um, again, they're going into this exhausted. They're feeling alone, isolated. Uh, they're feeling like they don't know what to do, that they don't have the power, that they're not strong enough, that they're not good enough to do this. And they're really coming from a place of fear. So my goal through this program is to empower them again, to get them to make decisions based on knowledge and not in fear. And I expertly support them the entire process so that they come out of this having made the best decisions for themselves and their children that helps to safeguard them and their kids through the entire process. I really want them to live a life that they deserve. This is so needed. And I'm so grateful that there's a tool that we can connect people with. Now, remind us of your credentials, Chantal, because you mentioned <laughs> experts, uh, service and. Okay. So I have a degree in English and psychology. Um, and I am also a certified divorce coach through the CDC. I've taken a plethora of courses through the divorce coaches Academy on mediation and communication and parallel parenting. I've also taken a bunch of courses through the High Conflict Institute, again, on communication and all that sort of stuff. And I have my personal experience, and I've been doing this now unofficially for four and a half years, but officially for a year and a half. You're a gift. And you're also a fellow Canadian, which is fantastic. <laughs> you're coming to us from the West Coast. Yes. And everybody can access this online, correct? And that will launch on June 12th? Yes. And so it's every week, I personally coach you for an hour and a half, and you have unlimited uh, contact with me through WhatsApp during the week. So we can I can support you and it comes with a PDF every week and a video every week uh, that you can play back and listen, because I also understand that when you've come out of this kind of relationship, your memory is not the way it used to be. And so sometimes you need to rewatch and rewatch and read and read. Um, and then I'm there to support you for 12 weeks and then three months post the course as well. There's a weekly follow-up in case you need the extra support after it's all done. And it really is to avoid all the pitfalls that so many victims have made and make. And it's not just one victim. It's pretty much every victim because they just don't have the knowledge, the tools, the strategies, the planning in place before they leave. Wow. I like that follow-up. Portion yeah, well, because there's a lot to to process and then three months yes. out right you like don't, you don't feel stranded you're like well okay. and this is the thing it's people lack support and I want to be their expert support I'm not just a friend who gives you bad advice because I love you I'm an expert who cares about you because I'm a human and you're a fellow human and you're going through one of the hardest things that anybody can go through but I want you to feel like you're not alone like there is somebody who understands where you are where you've been where you're going and how to get you out of this as safely and strategically and effectively as possible. How often will you plan to run this? Oh, I'm, it's ongoing. So perfect. So people could jump in at any time. Anytime. After. Yeah. It's okay. ongoing for the, in, for infinity. <laughs> That's fantastic. So it's going to be capped because I have to watch out for my hours. Cause I literally yes. will be meeting with people face to face through zoom. Um, so it's a limited engagement, but it's ongoing. People can join in anytime. That's great. All of your contact information will be in the show notes. So please connect with Chantel. 
at the very least, find her on Instagram and follow. Where else are you? I'm also on Facebook. Okay. Find her on Instagram and Facebook. Her content is phenomenal. She has so much information pertaining to the narcissistic abuse. Uh, She's the divorce hub. And I, again, that will all be in the show notes. So you can click on it and, and find her. And please, if you aren't aware that we have a YouTube channel, you can watch our interview and see the beautiful Chantel on YouTube on our channel. And that will also be linked in the show notes. Thank you for being with us, Chantel. I feel like we definitely need to have you back because this topic is deep. Like we said before, there's, there's different channels we can go down and maybe we could do a three-part series that talk about the three areas that Mm -hmm. your program offers. And just specifically, you know, give a few like an overview, a high level overview of what each of those segments look like. And then people understand a little more about what your program offers, but it also gives them something to think about and process and understand whether that might be a fit for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any final thoughts or, or, or suggestions? Um, The thing that really people need to understand is they need to prepare. They need to plan and prepare journaling is such a simplistic tool that's oftentimes overlooked because of its simplicity but it's such a powerful tool especially because you're in it and you don't you can't see the forest for the trees you can't see the patterns you're exhausted journaling is such an easy tool to start to see patterns of behavior um and really it's worth the investment to plan before you leave and invest your time and your money with a person who can help you leave and stay gone and avoid having to go back and forth. So many victims go back because abusers are very good at manipulating back into the fold, either financially by starving you or by love bombing you back in or by cutting off your resources. So part of that preparation is, is mental preparation. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that journaling piece, I've had people tell me that because as you know, I'm gathering stories to publish a compilation of abuse stories and and those survivors and thrivers and let others know they aren't alone. And when you hear those stories, then it resonates with you. You can start to prepare. If you aren't already out, you can start to heal. If you have gotten out and maybe you didn't even realize some of what you experienced and how it has impacted you, like with some of the symptoms that you've shared. And part of that book that I've had people suggest is to have two things in there. One is a checklist of preparing to do important things you might want to have at a safe space. So when you are ready, you can go and you aren't forgetting very vital things or important things, or maybe that brings you back because I I have to go back and get this. And the other thing is the journaling is documenting incidents because we do grasp onto any little evidence that it's okay, or it was my fault, or I shouldn't have made him mad or whatever it might be. And when they started, it was a game changer for many people I've heard have done this. When they started writing the incidents down, they did realize, like you said earlier, just how bad it is. And that was the tipping point. That's when they went, whoa, I can't ignore this. This Uh is really significant. 
So those are, are a couple check a couple ways that people can prepare themselves is, is document. And also we do have a checklist on uh, the blog. I'll put a link to that where people can take and just have it right there. Here's some suggestions of ways that you can prepare. So thank you very much, Chantal, for your time. I'm really looking forward to having you back again. And I will definitely encourage others to find your course and use that as a, as a resource and support. What an incredible support. Thank you for thank you. thank you so much for having me. Thank you for giving me a platform because I truly believe that knowledge is power. And the more people know, hopefully they can avoid this altogether. But if they can't avoid it because they're already in it, they have more tools and more resources. And they really feel like they're not alone. There are people out there who understand what they're going through and are there to support them. Beautiful. That's that's my tagline. <laughs> you're not <laughs> alone. There are people who care and want to help. And you're an example of that. Thank you, Chantel. Thank you, Dina. Hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life. Do you have questions or a suggestion for a topic you want to know more about? Let me know. Check the show notes for all the contact information. Follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through divorce or separation. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com. The link is in the show notes. Our disclaimer, divorce resource groups, blog, and all content, including our podcast, is intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada does not constitute endorsements for nor liability for any claims made in the presenting of this information.